Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Extra Point Podcast. Today is Tuesday, January the 10th, 2023. My name is Todd Stiles. I'm one of the pastors at First Family Church in Ankeny. I'm glad you've joined us for this episode of the Extra Point Podcast, where we take some time each Tuesday and try to bring some extra insight, further application, deeper observation into the text from which we preached on the previous Sunday. As you know, we began a new series last Sunday um, rooted in 1 Timothy, looking at the matter of church. And on that first week last Sunday, we looked at the uh, issue of our identity. And uh, the primary metaphor that we looked at really was this idea of a family. Paul uses the term God's household there in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And I'm thankful for the very um, uh, various types of metaphors used throughout the New and Old Testament to help us understand more about the church or more about God's people. And on this episode of the podcast, I, I'd like to take a minute uh, and just maybe walk you through a few other of the metaphors used for the church. Uh, when I'm done with that, I want to take a, an extra few minutes and explain why I'm using the Christian Standard Bible this year instead of the English Standard Version, and I'll do that at the end. But first, uh, just a few other of the metaphors used for the church. I think all of these pictures help us gain insight. I do personally believe the, uh, the metaphor of a family is the most significant of the metaphors, and uh, I think it's the most uh, widely used one in the New Testament, uh, and, and, and probably because of the, the terms used for the church, uh, they are very familial, so it does run throughout the course of many of the letters, many of the books, uh, even in the Old Testament. You know, the, God's people are referenced as His children. And so there's a real familial theme that runs through the thread of Scripture in regards to God our Father. Um, and so uh, I think that is the most significant metaphor used, that of a family. But there are many others that give us really good insight and help us understand more about our identity and thus our function. Uh, here's a few of them. We are also referred to as a flock. Um, you know, God is our shepherd. Uh, we are his sheep. Um, we're also referred to as a bride, and that could have some familial language to it. Um, it but the marital aspect there seems a little more appropriate. And so I do think the bride of Christ as a metaphor is a little perhaps differentiated than that of just the familial one. Uh, we're also referred to as soldiers, so you could say that the church is an army. Um, the church is also pictured as a body with many members, so that's a really effective and helpful metaphor as well for the church. Um, the church is also seen as a building. This uh, was referenced, of course, in 1 Timothy 3 when it talks about the members being a pillar, uh, a foundation, or a buttress, not only individually in one sense, but collectively the church is the buttress and the supporting structure. So other places we're seen as a temple, even individually and collectively in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is how we're referenced. And so these are, are just other metaphors used for the church, and they all give us insight. They're all pictures um, of different things that we are and then different things that we do. The various metaphors in the New Testament and the Old of the church. Now, as you know, I... Uh, read, of course, yesterday and taught from the CSB, 
just as I did on the first Sunday of this year, and I am using the Christian Standard Bible uh, to teach from for this year. Now, I've had a number of questions about why I made the switch, and as I mentioned um, in just the, the last Sunday or two of 2022, I did mention to our church I was making that switch. Um, I don't think everyone got the word, and it's not like a major announcement or an important bit of news, um, but I did have a lot of questions over the last couple Sundays, like why and, um, you know, should we also get a CSB and a follow-along? Just a couple of thoughts about that. Um, first of all, I switched for this reason, and it's not anything deep, to be frank with you. It's not anything uh, significantly remarkable at all. Um, but my informal research, both within our church and I think even outside of our church in different um, arenas, organizations, and people, is that the CSB tends to be a, a little bit more readable. I think that's even their—one um, uh, of their claims to fame, we'll call it, is that they've maintained their word-for-word translation um, commitment, which is what the SV and other versions like that do, which that's what I'm committed to is a word-for-word translation. So it's in the line of very faithful translations and texts and versions. But I think one of their uh, aims was to make it more readable. And from what I've gathered in talking to a number of people, both in our church who use it and outside of our church, it is to them just more readable. And so for this year, I'm experimenting with the CSB. I enjoy it. I have confidence in it. It's a fantastic translation. And so we'll be using that in our church. We are selling and making available to our church the restoration-themed CSB. And so if you want to pick up a CSB at a really good price, you can stop by Connect Center, pick one up there. It's a restoration-themed Bible. So uh, there's a lot of notes and themes and devotionals in it aimed at the idea of restoration. Incidentally, I think that will fit well with a good bit of our preaching this year. We're going to be spending some time in the Psalms uh, prior to Easter, uh, namely the Psalms of Lament. And so there's a lot of restorative themes in those Psalms, um, as well as we'll be spending some weeks in Job towards the end of the year. And of course, there's some restorative themes in there. And so um, just be aware that you can pick up one at Connect Center to follow along. But but here's even a more um, perhaps insightful comment about translations at First Family and which one uh, I use to teach from and which ones you should have. The style of my teaching, the style of my preaching, and I think even the way that our church culture works is that we typically walk through a book of the Bible, and even when we're doing a topical message, we land in a text, we'll teach the text, and we try to unpack and explain and give um, the variety of ways um, that a, a phrase or a word should be seen, understood, so that we gain the most clarity uh, from that specific phrase or word or text or paragraph or pericope. In other words, we, we actually, probably in our teaching, we uh, use various translations. We, I don't want to say we invent our own, but we will tell you how we would word it. Um, um, and so we just kind of provide a number of ways to understand a text, a paragraph, a phrase, a word, so that you have the greatest amount of insight possible, at least from our perspective, into what the Lord is saying and what God is communicating to us. So I don't know that 
Um, a specific translation is a required thing. In fact, I know it's not. We don't require a certain translation. There are some not-so-good translations, and if you want to know about those, feel free to talk to me. I'd love to share my thoughts with you. And there are some really good ones. The ESV is a great translation. The uh, CSB is a great translation. The King James Version, the uh, New American Standard, the New King James, those are really good translations. You can use any of those at First Family and feel very comfortable following along with us as we teach and preach through books of the Bible. It may not be the exact one that I use, but you will not get confused because while we teach and preach, we read the one that we're preaching from, you have yours, and we provide uh, other ones in our preaching and explain and discuss what the words and the phrases mean. So, so in my opinion, by the time we're done each week, you have a, a wide array of words and uh, ideas to which this phrase or verse or text points in order to establish in your mind the clear, uh, concise, succinct meaning that God is communicating to us. And so just be aware, I, I'm probably um, a little more free in, um, in that and just feel like, you know, I can use the CSB, you can use the ESV, someone can use the NASB, and we can all do this together in the service and preach and hear and listen and teach and not be confused or, or led in some weird direction, even though there may be some different words in our laps or on the pulpit by the end of the message, by the end of our time together, we're going to all be in sync with what God is communicating to us because we've looked at it from as many angles as possible. And that is one of our goals. And so just be aware that's kind of our culture, kind of our style. Uh, if you want to join me in reading through the CSB this year, uh, please do so. Our church has a Bible reading plan using the CSB. Uh, we'll have copies, of course, available at Connect Center of the reading plan as well as of the CSB. So feel free to pick one up, but by no means feel like it's some mandatory requirement that you now have to get this translation or this version to kind of stay up with me. I've just committed to using it for this year, and what I'll do next year moving forward, I'm not sure yet, but I want to experiment to see uh, if it truly does uh, work for us and is more readable for us and... Um, so that's what we're after, and so that's why I made the switch. I hope that's not disappointing to some of you, or if you were looking for a deeper uh, reason or maybe some other kind of reason. No, it's really not that deep at all. But I hope you'll join me mainly in this, and that is putting our nose in the book, reading God's Word every day, and committing to studying it together as a church to have the clearest understanding of how God wants us to live in this world in obedience to Him.